Good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning, Uptown. Welcome to our worship service. Um, it's been a crazy week. I'm sure many of us have experienced, um, and it just feels like it's been a lot longer since last week when we had a members meeting after worship service. It was great seeing a bunch of you guys and just hearing how the Holy Spirit is moving and stirring in so many people's lives and just hearing from other people's lips how you sense um, really the body of Christ and the love of Christ being expressed in such concrete, powerful, unforgettable ways despite the pandemic. Um, so yeah, just so thankful for that. But like I mentioned, this has been a pretty crazy week for a lot of us. I know there are many of us who are still experiencing what I would consider just bona fide crises, um, one of the most, one of the darkest periods of your life. And all I can say is I'm praying for you. I wish I could take the brunt of what you're experiencing, but humanly that's not possible. But all this to say is let's continue to pray for one another. Uh, I do also want to just mention, it's just been great to be praying with a lot of you guys, um, especially in our Monday evening prayers. And we're going to continue that even though January is about over. Um, and yeah, let's continue to pray for one another. I'm also thankful for the responses I've been getting from those email updates pertaining to Deacon Marcelo. And one update that I found out this morning um, that I find appropriate to share with everybody is uh, Deacon Marcelo's father did pass away this morning. Um, so yeah, our hearts, uh, our condolences, um, we definitely want to express to you, Deacon Marcelo and your family and everybody grieving and just for the rest of our community, let's continue to pray. The mourning process is, uh, can be very complicated, uh, especially with this one where there was just an unpredictable, unexpected series of COVID-19 positive cases. And let's continue to pray even for Deacon Marcelo's mom and his sister, as um, I think their health is somewhat stable, but I believe they still have symptoms. And just having to mourn over the loss of his grandfather just about a month ago, and now the father. Uh, let's continue to pray for them. So I'm very thankful for Elizabeth, just praying for them. Um, but let me just pray for us one more time before we uh, have a time where we can hear from the Word of God. Let me pray specifically for Deacon Marcelo's family. <clears throat> uh, Father, we just want to lift up uh, Deacon Marcelo's family. Um, we're just really uh, devastated by all that has been happening, all that they have been enduring, not just this morning, but just the series of events that's been spanning for more than a month at this point. Uh, but even as uh, Terry reminded us, not only are you a sovereign God, but you are a God who holds us fast you are a God who is so intimate and there is nothing that can separate the tight love that you have clenched around us that have been forged through what your son Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. So although we mourn and we will truly mourn over the loss of Deacon Marcelo's father and even the grandfather and all these difficulties that they're experiencing, I pray that through it all, may they always experience the anchor of your truth, the anchor of your peace. And even as we sung, you, all the things that you have promised are true, that one day we will be walking side by side. You have given us, granted us the keys to Zion where we will experience the depths of the reality that Christ is ours forevermore and we are Christ. And that we know that as much as we miss Deacon Marcelo's um, father, he's able to experience that reality in a deeper way at this moment. So for that, there is 
celebration. There is hope. I pray also for the other brothers and sisters in our community. We know that some of us are experiencing some very dark, dark times. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we just pray that you would provide healing. We, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come like a rushing wind, that you will fill these households, you will fill our thoughts, you will fill our emotions, you will fill these broken relationships. May your peace and may the power of the gospel reign even in the darkest of places. Holy Spirit, I pray that even though we feel so faint-hearted and our trust in you feels brittle and we feel like we cannot go on another day, Holy Spirit, please come, fill us, rejuvenate us. We desperately need your touch. We desperately need your strength. So we surrender these brothers and sisters entirely into your hands. We thank you and we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Uh, yes, let's continue to pray for one another, intercede on each other's behalf. Um, again, I'm so thankful for what the Spirit is already doing in our community, despite these difficult circumstances. But all the more, there are many of us who really need prayer, who really need support. So let's continue to be sensitive to that and be faithful in interceding on each other's behalf, knowing that our God is answering prayers. And one of the great things about this sermon series, about the unstoppable work of the Holy Spirit, is yes, regardless of what the circumstances are, His work is unstoppable. And as we've been zooming into that over the past few weeks, it's just been incredible just how undeserving and how mind-blowing some of these blessings of the Holy Spirit are. For instance, a few weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is in our hearts and He's not just some distant entity, but He is an actual person who empathizes with us, who loves us, who takes care of us. And this Holy Spirit, His presence is actually much better than actually being present with the physical existence of Jesus Christ, as Jesus Himself admits. Because this Holy Spirit is able to work in our hearts and magnify the role and the reign of Jesus in our own lives. And then we also talked about the Holy Spirit is not only a person, but He is God Himself, the God who created the universe, who actually is currently sustaining all of life, dwells in our hearts to those who submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He dwells in their hearts, every single one of us, and permanently until we see Jesus face to face. It is a glorious truth. And last week, we heard about the Holy Spirit regenerating us, that we were at one point spiritually dead. We were objects of God's wrath. We were enemies because of our sin, but the Holy Spirit regenerated us, enables us to experience the gifts of things like repentance and placing our soul and exclusive trust in Christ alone, as we just sung about. And this Holy Spirit is also part of the process of our adoption, where we get to be heirs where we get to be inheritance of this opulent, wealthy, lavish blessing. All these things are available through the death and resurrection of Jesus and through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit that is upon all of us who submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a glorious thing. And one of the expected appropriate responses that I hear from the brothers and sisters in this community is, in light of all these glorious things, I need to share this with my fellow friends with my family members, especially those who have not yet submitted to the gospel of Jesus, especially those who do not know the gospel of Jesus or who Jesus Christ is. And that is a very appropriate response as we are just overwhelmed by this undeserving blessing after blessing of the Holy Spirit. How can we contain 
this joy, this undeserving love within ourselves. We need to share it out with other people. And this leads to the topic of evangelism. And that really is the focus of today's message is as we ourselves are just overwhelmed, as our minds are just blown by the gift of the gospel, especially the role of the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but to desire to share it with others. Now, I know that the topic of evangelism and sharing the gospel with others, it may bring back bad memories because sometimes a lot of these conversations feel very awkward. They feel very forced. A lot of times we wonder, man, I should have said it like this. I should have phrased it like this. Maybe I was a little too confusing in the ways I explained this point. And for some of us, we may feel very discouraged. The topic of evangelism actually is something that doesn't excite us anymore. It actually overwhelms us with guilt and maybe with undue pressure. And here what I want to do is I want to focus on Again, the role of the Holy Spirit, even in our ability to share the gospel with others, we are utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I think where we go wrong is when we share the gospel with others, for some reason, we think we're on our own. For some reason, we focus so much on our own abilities or lack thereof, our own training or the lack thereof, or if we have a gift of evangelism, or if we have a certain rapport with our friends, all these different things, and we actually neglect the most important thing, and that is, once again, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of those that we are trying to share the gospel with. We neglect them. And it's funny because even in the area of evangelism, just like the gospel, we are utterly dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit. We are utterly dependent upon the grace of Jesus. But for whatever reason, we end up placing all the pressure on ourselves. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. In order for us to unpack some of these things, I really want to zoom into the life of the disciples. Because if you think about Christianity, I mean, right now it is a, a, a very prevalent religion, I guess, for a lack of a better term, across the world. Every country, every era... Christianity has felt has made its presence known and it's a in some ways there's been mistakes but in many ways it's a glorious thing it really is the work of the unstoppable work of the Holy Spirit but if you think about it historically Christianity began with Jesus of course and his disciples which were only 11 at the time because Judas betrayed Jesus and then he committed suicide and these 11 people who were very common they weren't formally educated. They weren't trained in some academy. But somehow these 11 plus, they assigned another uh, 12th. These 12 disciples, apostles, they literally shook the world upside down. And again, they were common people just like us. Their trade, their profession, they weren't all that impressive. We have some fishermen, which was probably a little bit higher than middle class. But we also have tax collectors which was the most sus role and occupation that you possibly can have in that area, in that society. So some of these people were marginalized. Some of these people were despised. They weren't all that charismatic or gifted. They didn't have the social connections or the ties. And yet, through them, the Holy Spirit was able to use common people just like us 
to usher in this movement that is literally unstoppable even 2,000 years today. How did that happen? Because if you think about the disciples, before their decisive watershed moment where the Holy Spirit came upon them and enabled them to be faithful witnesses, to be faithful evangelists, these disciples, again, they were just like us. They were messing up left and right. They were getting Jesus' teachings wrong all the time. They were misunderstanding who Jesus was. They were fighting, bickering against one another. They were competing against each other. I'm sure when Jesus saw them, he probably thought, left to themselves, there is no hope for his precious gospel message to be ushered into this world in a faithful, powerful way. When he saw these disciples, they had nothing inherently that was of worth. And again, we can relate with all of them. Our faith was just as brutal as theirs. Their understanding of Jesus was just as vulnerable as ours. And yet there was a decisive moment. And that is why before Jesus ascended into heaven, his last words to the disciples, he says, go to Jerusalem, but stay in Jerusalem. Don't go out witnessing just yet. Don't go out evangelizing just yet. Yes, you've ex- you see me in my resurrected body. I'm sure you want to tell everybody. You want to proclaim it out into the streets. But at this point, you're not ready. You need to wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's why he says in Luke chapter 24, You are witnesses of these things. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You are witnesses of me resurrecting. You're witnesses of all the miracles I've been showing you for the past three plus years. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave. Don't leave this room until you're clothed with power from on high. And what basically Jesus is saying, when he says the promise of my Father or the power from on high, Jesus is essentially saying the Holy Spirit. You want to evangelize? You want to share all these wonderful things that you have experienced, that you have seen? You cannot do it apart from the Holy Spirit. You may feel like you have much passion. You may feel like there are people that you can convince because you have a good relationship and a good rapport with them. You may feel like you have all the different things ready to say because you've rehearsed it mentally. (coughs) Jesus is saying, slow your roll. Stay, wait, because you are going to make an absolute fool of yourself unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Wait, don't leave. Don't go out into the streets just yet. And finally, the focus of today's sermon is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Because at this point, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And at that point, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. You will be faithful witnesses. You don't need evangelism training. You don't need the gift of evangelism. You don't need all these bells and whistles, you don't need the social connections. All you really need is the Holy Spirit to come upon you and you will be faithful witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, which is our backyard, but Jesus' vision, his plan is not just Jerusalem, not just all of Judea, which was the region, not just Samaria, which was the region next to Judea, but to the end of all the earth. 
And if you read the book of Acts, <coughs> it is jam-packed with account after account of how the Holy Spirit is taking the gospel of Jesus Christ through these disciples who are common people just like you and me. And it is invading Jerusalem. It is invading Judea. It is invading Samaria all the way to the end of the world. At that point, the end of the world in their culture was really the Roman Empire. And we see it expanding. And 2,000 years later, we see it touching literally every part of the globe. And it's all because, not because these 12 disciples had the gift of charisma or the evangelism training. No, it was because, as Jesus says in his own words, only when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit will it enable you to be faithful witnesses. And after this point, man, the disciples, before they were fumbling around, they were a bunch of misfits, just like us, just like you and me. But after they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, they became rock stars, just like Jesus. They were healing people, just like Jesus, in miraculous ways. The, the, the lame beggar, they were able to heal in a miraculous ways. They were imprisoned, and they still did not flinch against the religious authorities because they were filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thousands upon thousands were being converted. They were preaching boldly, faithfully, passionately, despite all the persecution, even though the church was being persecuted, they were being scattered, all the, their comforts were being broken and destroyed, just like the way we're experiencing even in the pandemic, where we feel scattered, where we feel vulnerable. And yet, despite those difficult circumstances, they still preached the gospel. They still shared, they still faithfully were witnesses, and people were being converted. And it's not because the disciples were special, but it's because the Holy Spirit was using the disciples. <clears throat> uh, one passage that I love is, again, <clears throat> the disciples. They were common people, uneducated. They were not formally trained. And yet, they were so bold. I love this passage in Acts chapter 4. On the next day, their rulers, the rulers of Jerusalem, the elders, the scribes, these are like the scholars, the top-notch experts, the subject matter experts, gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest. Again, the high priest is the supreme authority at that point. Caiaphas and John and, and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. I mean, these were the people that everybody shuddered in fear and reverence. And when they had sat the disciples in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do these things? Because Peter and John, they just healed a, um, a, a, uh, a lame beggar. They've been preaching. They've been experiencing all these revivals. By what power and by what name are you doing these things? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, it, again, if you read through the book of Acts, it is so clear repeatedly that they are filled with the Spirit. And Peter looks at them dead set in their eyes without flinching. And he is able to respond to them with boldness, not fearing them at all. And later, 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they recognized these people. I remember these little misfits, and they are so bold. I remember Peter. Just a few chapters earlier, he was afraid by some village girl who was questioning, asking Peter, do you not know Jesus? And Peter denied Jesus three times, and yet, now that he is filled with the Spirit, there's boldness upon him. And these religious authorities, they perceive that although they were uneducated, although they were common men just like you and me, they were absolutely astonished. They couldn't understand, they couldn't explain other than the fact that these people have been with Jesus. And there's something different. They see Jesus in them. They see the way Peter and John is doing these miracles and the way that they're able to audaciously respond back to us without any fear. The only person that this reminds me of is that Jesus fellow. And it makes sense because Jesus' very spirit was literally upon Peter and John, enabling them to live just like Jesus. Now for us, one of the reasons why the last few sermons I'm emphasizing, before going into Acts chapter 1 verse 8, emphasizing the gift of the Holy Spirit by virtue of us submitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ and our union with Jesus, is to show you that all the things that Peter and John experienced, all the things that the disciples experienced, you go down the line in church history, all the famous missionaries, the martyrs, all the heroic acts of faith, all of them, it was not because those individuals were extraordinary, but it was because the Holy Spirit was fueling them. The Holy Spirit made His abode within their own hearts. This same Spirit is upon all of us who simply believe and submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These promises of regeneration, adoption, all these things are true of us. This promise of us being faithful witnesses, that's also part of the blessings that God has given us because the Holy Spirit is alive in our hearts. I understand left to ourselves, we feel like utter failures. Left to ourselves, we feel very awkward when we have to share the gospel with somebody who they don't know any of these things. And all these things just seem so foreign as we're explaining it, as we are listening to ourselves subconsciously, we're wondering, is this making any sense? I understand. I've been through that. I still go through that at moments. But what the gospel is trying to emphasize, not just in Acts, but really throughout Scripture, is that every aspect of our lives, even the aspect of sharing the gospel with others, we are utterly dependent upon God's grace, namely the Holy Spirit. And yet we we don't depend on the Holy Spirit. So this message is really both a gentle rebuke, a gentle admonishment, for the ways that we don't trust in God and the ways that we typically underestimate or even flat out ignore the role of the Holy Spirit. And also an encouragement that yeah, you feel like a failure, you feel tongue-tied, you feel ineffective, 
Welcome to the club. Because again, one of the, do you notice that in scripture, what Jesus is saying, he's not asking for evangelistic rock stars. He's just asking for witnesses. Witness, that's all we need to do. He's just asking for faithfulness. Can you just make yourself available? Because he will take care of the rest. The power of the Spirit will take care of the rest. All he's asking of us is can we simply and merely be a witness? Can we just be a vessel, an instrument that the Holy Spirit can use? In light of that, this message is not just a gentle rebuke, but also a warm encouragement that we don't have to place our trust. We don't have to place so much pressure on ourselves. We just need to make ourselves available because it really is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of the disciples. It's not the work of me. It's not the work of you. It's not the work of Uptown or New Hope or whatever. It really is the work of the Holy Spirit even 2,000 years later. The same thing is true. So as we kind of move forward, when I say this message is both a rebuke and an encouragement, um, let me kind of illustrate this. We typically, when we think about sharing the gospel with others, we typically do these three things. First is we focus on ourselves. We focus on my lack of training. Or on the flip side, I feel very trained. I feel like theologically I'm able to explain everything. Or we feel like I'm going to get tongue-tied. I'm afraid what happens if they ask about this or whatever. And I'm not going to be able to respond. And they're going to think I'm a fool. We focus on ourselves. Or we focus on just the circumstances. My relationship with this particular person. Have I built enough rapport? Have I built enough trust? And yes, there is some wisdom in some of that. But we focus so much on these things. We focus on looking for the right opportunity. And after, you know, I think there is some wisdom. But after years later, and there hasn't been an opportunity, maybe you're focusing on the wrong things. We focus so much on ourselves. And do you realize if the disciples had focused on themselves, they would have never left that room. If they were focusing on themselves, Peter would have never been that bold preacher because all he would have thought about is how he denied Christ three times in front of a little village girl, a harmless, innocent little person. Peter would have thought, if I can't even answer the question of whether or not I know Jesus to this little girl, how am I going to stare at the high priest, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the council, and preach with boldness? Left to Peter's self, left to the disciples' selves, they have no hope. And also for us, let me just gently rebuke us. If you feel like the effectiveness of you sharing the gospel lies in you, your personality, how well you're able to rehearse and articulate these things, you are underestimating grossly, offensively, the real problem and the real solution. And that leads to the, thir- the second thing that we typically do is we typically underestimate their sin. <clears throat> and here I want to remind us of last week's sermon. Do we understand the bondage that people are in. 
those who are not yet united with Christ. As we talked about last week, we are spiritually dead. We are objects of God's wrath. We are enemies. And that is why something like regeneration is absolutely necessary. We are absolutely corpse, a spiritual corpse. And not only are we utterly dead where we don't have any type of spiritual feeling left to ourselves, but we are enemies before God. Where God, part of his wrath against those who are his enemies, is he subjects them further to this downward spiral of this spiritual deadness where all we can do is distort his character. All we can do is suppress his involvement. That is why even if you were to explain truth after truth, logic after logic, all these different fine points of the gospel, who Jesus is, ad nauseum, and they are listening and they are tracking, left to themselves, they are still enslaved to their sin. They are going to distort everything that you say. They're going to suppress everything that you said. And ultimately, they're going to reject God's character and His involvement. They're going to reject Jesus Christ. They're going to reject the work of the Spirit because they are enslaved to their sin. There is no logic that can convert people's hearts and souls. There is no proof that can convert and transform our hearts. I mean, it says so clearly in Romans chapter 1. It's littered throughout the Psalms. And one of the things I think many of us should repent for is, yes, I feel I'm glad that we have a sincere desire to share the gospel with others. But A, we focus on ourselves too much. And secondly, do we, under, do we understand what we're up against? It's not just we need a nice fine-tuned presentation of the gospel. No, it is sin. It's hopeless. It's, impo- it's utterly impossible. And that is the third, leads to the third thing, is we also typically ignore the Holy Spirit because we are so focused on ourselves and the circumstances and whether or not there's an opportunity, we ignore, you know, all we have to do is be witnesses because the outcome, the effectiveness, all the th- it's all dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We ignore the Holy Spirit's work in the life of our friend or our family member. We don't recognize, you know what? The Holy Spirit needs to soften this person's heart. The Holy Spirit needs to open their eyes. The Holy Spirit needs to awaken their mind. We need to be more prayerful. Also, the Holy Spirit needs to work in my heart. I am afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of awkward relationships. I'm afraid of my reputation. What are they going to think of me at my workplace? Holy Spirit needs to work even in our own hearts. Because again, left to ourselves, we are just like Peter denying Christ three times. But with the Holy Spirit, we're just like Peter, able to preach with boldness and fearlessness, even at the eye of the religious leaders who could easily imprison him and take away his life. We need the Holy Spirit. And I think we need to, again, gently, We need to repent that we focus on ourselves too much, that we rely on ourselves too much, that we underestimate the sin, and that we flat out just ignore the role of the Holy Spirit. But 
take comfort that we don't have to focus on ourselves. We have, there is a remedy against the impossible curse of sin, and that is the Holy Spirit who has touched people's hearts. The same thing that we talked about last week with regeneration, how the Holy Spirit took what was dead and made it alive. The Holy Spirit took our hearts and led us into repentance and placing our exclusive trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit working in our hearts, making us adopted into His family so that we are heirs of this opulent blessing in Christ. That same magnificent, miraculous work that should just blow all of our minds out of the water is the same work that the Holy Spirit is still doing today among those who have not yet believed and submitted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This Holy Spirit is on the move. And even as I have been just walking alongside many of you guys, I'm so thankful because your desire, your passion to live beyond yourself and to share this amazing gift of the gospel with others I see it in some of you guys. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to put you in an awkward spot because maybe some of your friends are are listening to the sermon. But I'm so thankful. And I just want to remind you that your desire, your sincerity, your passion is not because of who you are, but it's because of what the Spirit is doing through you. And therefore, the outcome, the success, the effectiveness of your witness, even though you may not see it, is completely in the hands of the Holy Spirit. It's not because of your failures. It's not because of your mistakes. All of it, the Holy Spirit will use. He just wants you to be a faithful witness. So be encouraged. Take great comfort in the fact that this is not our mission. This is not our plan. This is Jesus' plan. And He will be sure that He completes what He began. So at this time, um, you know, I do want to give us an opportunity to pray through some of this. Because again, this is not so much about having some type of intellectual argument, sound gospel presentation made, and then five practical tips on how to steer a conversation so that you can talk about Jesus. That's not what this is about. Uh, This is about we need the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, we need to pray. We need to, we need to ask Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Come like a rushing wind. We need to repent for taking ourselves too seriously, for underestimating the role of sin, and for ignoring the Holy Spirit. So I want to give us an opportunity to pray. Uh, before I do that, I asked our brother Terry to lead us into a song uh, that I feel like is appropriate. As we sing this song, Mighty to Save, uh, I want us to think about it on two levels. The first level is, God was mighty to save you. God was mighty to save a dead corpse that was utterly offensive before God, and He nonetheless saved you, as we talked about last week. Not because of who you are, but because of His own love. He saved you. Let's celebrate that. And the second level is, when we think about God being mighty to save, If God did that to you, then certainly our God is powerful, loving, and merciful enough to do that to our friends, to our family members. And let's sing this song 
as if God is able to, is mighty to save not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. And as we sing this song, I also want to, um, hopefully this song can lead us into a time of prayer, uh, whether it is repentance or whether it is asking God, Holy Spirit, fill my life and pray for some of these people that are on your heart that you desperately desire them to not only hear, but to believe and to trust and submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ.